Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Good evening, everybody. Episode 92, January 29th. It's Friday. I wasn't going to do a recorded show because I've got the hockey game tomorrow, and I'm going to have to figure that out. I still may go live if I can get a workout in and make sure that nothing happens like last night where everything seemed to go wrong. Power went out. Coat racks dropped. My mic didn't work the entire night because the kids kicked out the XLR cable. It was a fun evening of trying to get Don't Unfriend Me to work, but tonight I hope it goes a little bit better. What are we going to do tonight on episode 92? Well, we're going to talk a little bit about Tulsi Gabbard. You may not know who she is, and I think it's important for you to know. And this might be a Democrat-heavy episode. It doesn't mean I'm not going to call out the Democrats. I just think there is maybe a little bit more support than you have grown accustomed to. And I think it's okay to do that. I'm going to talk about Joe Biden and his visit to a hospital. And I'm going to give Joe Biden props for that, President Joe Biden props for that, because I think he should be recognized for things he does well, and then also ridiculed and called out for the things that he doesn't, which there will be plenty. So please don't turn off the show. If you are, you're a hypocrite, because there's no reason we should celebrate when our president does something correct, whether he falls into it, whether it was by accident or design. And then we're going to go into Dr. Fakey. Correction, my producer says Fauci, Dr. Fauci, and talk a little bit about this gentleman who is most assuredly a Democrat and who I will not be speaking very kindly about because there's some things I take issue when it comes to Dr. Fauci, including this new Pfizer vaccine and his thoughts about it. And although I'm not an anti-vaxxer and I will talk about that, there is a side effect for urinary issues when it comes to this this Pfizer vaccine. I don't know if you've heard, it makes your pee silent. Locate file. Do you guys remember this happened last night? It happened last night too. You know, it just can't go smoothly. It just can't go easy. Will, you should be texting right now, but alas, he hasn't, which is a good thing. And I guess it's not that big of a deal. So we missed the video. 15 other things could have went wrong. And it looks like the mic's working tonight. Testing one, two, three. Hello, hello. I'm seeing the the little green line go back and forth. So we have fixed that issue. Folks, it's great to have you here. Thank you for being here. I am just overall overwhelmed by the amount of responses that I've been getting and people actually participating in the videos, leaving comments. And it's great. You know, I do it for a living. I run our social media. It's part of marketing with my company and my good friend Ryan and Alex helped me with that. But it's just different when it's your own site. And I can understand why the owners of Valor tend to take a lot of pride in that. And all hours of the night, I'll see Brian working and answering on social media. And I think it's fantastic. And I feel kind of the same way. Every person is important to me, even the chuckleheads who come on and troll my site. There's something special about them also. And it's predominantly that they need to be on the short bus. But otherwise, 
I love everybody and thank you for being here. Tonight will be a different episode. What is Don't Unfriend Me, first of all? Well, my name is Matthew Spear. I am the host of Don't Unfriend Me. Welcome. Hello. The graphic's working tonight, which is excellent. And what do we do here? Well, we talk a little bit about everything. We talk about politics. We talk about celebrities, sports, gambling, what else, stock market, and anything else that comes up. And it just depends on the day. I've been trying to get away from politics a little bit, but I'm right back on it tonight, and that's okay. And I want you to embrace the fact that once in a while, I may have a show that you are kind of like, meh, I don't want to listen to. That's fine. You don't have to. Jump off, come back tomorrow, and you'll find something new. All I ask is that you don't unfriend me. And once again, we're going to talk about Democrats tonight, and we're going to hold some of their feet to the flames, and we're going to prop some of them up and put them in the spotlight. Because once again, it is important that we recognize people when they do the right thing and also hold them accountable when they don't. So tonight, with no further ado, well, actually with some further ado, we're under a hostage warning. The hostage crisis, day 88. Facebook has continued to hold Don't Unfriend Me hostage. We have eclipsed 4,000. We're actually closer to 4,200 now. 200 likes today, I believe, after... Yesterday's announcement of 4,000, we were doing 150 today, and it's just going to go up. I told you, folks, this will exponentially grow bigger and bigger and bigger, the bigger our influence gets. And that's because of all those like, follow, shares, and subscribe that you do. So please don't forget to do that today at all these channels below. But the hostage crisis specifically is Facebook will not let me advertise. They won't let me say anything about my show. They won't let me show any pictures of my show. They will only allow a stupid picture of me crossing my arms and trying to look tough showing off my tattoos, which seems to be working fairly well to get likes and follows. But the problem is, is that people don't really know what they're walking into. And the good news is they're not leaving. But that's all positive, and we don't want to be positive when it comes to this. Can you imagine if Facebook would just let me put up clips of my show or maybe some funny taglines and advertise to Democrats and Republicans alike about what we talk about? But alas, they won't let us do that. And the reason why is they say it's due to the election. Well, the election's been over. I don't know if you've heard that, Facebook. By the way, they also have surgery, plastic surgery, to make you not look like an alien anymore, Mark Zuckerberg, and also tanning booths. Very, very simple. Two things you can do with the amount of money that you have, and I'm sure your wife would appreciate it. God knows the internet would, because every time we see your picture, you scare the hell out of small children and people with coronary conditions. Day 88, folks, when will it ever end? Who knows? Joe Biden. I'm tough on Joe Biden. I've always been tough on Joe Biden. I was tough on him during the Iran-Contra hearings when he essentially threw and lobbed grenades at Ronald Reagan and Ollie North. I was against him with the Clarence Thomas hearings and what he did to Anita Hill because even back then, yes, as a young man, I believe that everyone should be heard. And I thought it was very strange how they shunned Anita Hill and wouldn't let her finish and talk. Now, do I respect Clarence Thomas? Absolutely. I think he's probably the greatest, one of the greatest Supreme Court justices we've ever had. And he's an amazing man and human being. But do I think Anita Hill should have been heard? Absolutely. And I still think that today. But it doesn't make her right. And it doesn't make Joe Biden necessarily wrong for challenging her. It's just an interesting thing that I've disagreed with him over the years. But I have agreed with a lot of things that he has done, including helping with IEDs and supporting veterans who were damaged by IEDs, reinforcing vehicles that Bill Clinton stripped down to basically pieces of aluminum foil or tin cans that would rip our vehicles apart and had no chance of survival. He helped fund and create a 
a vehicle that would be resistant to IEDs, and I have to appreciate him for that. And he's done other things. It's not like he's done nothing in his presidency. He just hasn't done anything that anyone knows about. But what I do appreciate is when he does something right, and this is one of them. This goes back for quite some time, and it's not just today. It's not just during his presidency. Joe Biden has been an advocate of the Walter Reed Hospital since his son was there and was wounded, and his son actually died in the care of Walter Reed. Joe Biden has visited that hospital since he was uh, first in the Senate. He has supported the soldiers and the vets there, and he visits during Christmas and Thanksgiving on his free time and a lot of time as VP with no cameras in place. And here's a photo of that when he was vice president. This was his first major foray outside the White House on Friday with a visit to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center. A couple of friends of mine have actually been there, a couple of uh, of old uh Work buddies also have went there, and it's an amazing institution, and it's an amazing center that needs to be funded and properly taken care of uh, till the dawn of time. And, and until we keep, until we stop putting soldiers in battle, Walter Reed needs to remain, and it is a staple for the greatest care in the world for our veterans. And Joe Biden thinks so as well. The medical center is, uh, he, he went there to meet with wounded soldiers. Biden told reporters before touring the facility's vaccination distribution center that he was meeting largely with retired service members. These kids are amazing, and thank God there's not as many people to visit, he said, calling those at the hospital real heroes. Biden has a long and personal history, as I alluded to, with the hospital, which treats thousands of military service members and veterans and their families. His son, Bo, who served as a major in the Delaware Army National Guard, died at Walter Reed in 2015 of brain cancer. Biden said Friday that the hospital took care of Bo in his final days with great grace and dignity. And even before Bo's treatment at the hospital in Bethesda, Maryland, just outside Washington, Joe Biden and his wife, Jill, were frequent visitors during his time as VP, making multiple Christmas Day stops to meet with the soldiers there. Jill Biden focused on in part on promoting awareness of the issues affecting military families during that time. And on Friday, she participated in a virtual event with military-connected students. These are all great things that deserve to be recognized. And what's interesting is that it wasn't on the major media sources. You see, they didn't cover Donald Trump whenever he did anything for the troops, and now they're not doing it for Joe Biden. Well, because leftists don't necessarily agree in veterans in war. And we know this from Vietnam and in the past when they wouldn't even welcome our people from Vietnam home and they spit on them and threw things at them. And that was predominantly a leftist philosophy. However, sentiment for veterans has increased over the time. Companies like Flags of Valor, Wounded Warriors, Towers for Heroes, uh, my company Valor Roofing, has embraced the veteran experience and tries to employ, empower, and recognize veterans as much as we can. 501c charities like the Travis Mannion Foundation. Um, gosh, there's hundreds. The Purple Heart Foundation. Uh, Gold Star Moms and Families and Spouses. These institutions now, these 501c charities, have embraced veterans and helped them find a career and transition out of service. I can't tell you how many people who I personally know, Scott Davidson and Herb Thompson on LinkedIn. These are people who have, uh, Natalie Olivero, are, are people who spend countless hours a, a day focused on helping veterans um, reach that next step in their transition. Uh, we've seen this with the Veteran Crisis Hotline, something I, I fervently support on this site. Every day I talk about the Veteran Crisis Hotline. Today's Red Friday, we're wearing red. These are the things that you you can see. Companies like Grunt Style, Black Rifle Coffee, 
Uh, these are all companies who are veteran owned and operated. And there is a massive movement, not just in Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia, and these surrounding areas, but everywhere across the country and honestly around the world to support our vets. So it's a good idea to see Joe Biden doing this still. And I have to give him credit for that. Mr. President, um, I, I absolutely love that. And I think it's important for you to be there. And you've already had those photo, op photo opportunities. You've already been there, but you still continue to go because you actually care about the vets. And I think you get a bad rap. And I think people are hard on you for that. I don't expect you to cut the military budget. I, I hope you don't. I hope you continue to support your troops. I hope we still focus on veteran suicide, drug addiction, and other things that impact our veterans. But most importantly is a president who can actually quarterback a nationwide initiative to bring all of these military companies together. Because what you will find is that the military community, when it comes to the workplace, tend to be territorial. And although we love each other from a camaraderie standpoint, and we can drink whiskey and beer together during the off hours and smoke a cigar and be masters of the universe, outside of that, we are extremely bullish when it comes to our companies, and we don't like to share. And that is the military veteran-owned companies. How can you bring us together so collectively we can form a group that does even more things that are impactful in the United States and use all of our collective resources to be better than we already are? Mr. Biden, you are the perfect person to go ahead and do that because you're the only one that's the president, at least until Kamala takes over. So, sir, with all kidding aside, I give you much props, and I hope my listeners do too, because if you can't find anything positive about this presidency for four years, then you are just as bad as the left and what they did to Donald Trump. Remember that. I want to talk about Dr. Fauci. And the reason I want to talk about Dr. Fauci is I was reading an article. And I took a break from work today and I just started looking over the news. And as I always do, and I check things like India Times and I check Al Jazeera and I check the BBC and, and I read world news quite a bit because usually the world has information before we do most times. This is why a lot of Intel sources overseas won't watch CNN. They won't watch Fox News. Uh, they used to during the Gulf War, but after that, it all became nothing to watch. We would watch foreign, in, foreign newspapers, read foreign newspapers, and watch foreign media sources because they were on the scoop faster than the American media was. And this changed when they started editorializing and basically placating their entire audience to get them to the next commercial and through that to come back for a news alert, which wasn't an alert. It was just the next segment. And you see that. Watch that on Fox. Watch that on CNN. You'll come back from a commercial and it'll say news alert or breaking news. And it's not breaking. It's the same thing they were just talking about. But it gets you to think there's something special coming so you can stay tuned so they can sell you gluten-free underwear within the next five minutes. Well, world news doesn't do that. They continue to show what's important. And as I was reading this, it talked about how Dr. Fauci was focused on vaccinating children and saying that we're getting to the point where we can, yet we're only doing a million a day. And at this rate, we may have everyone vaccinated within the next two to three years. And by that time, it's my understanding that this this is a short-term thing, that this is a five-month solution to a permanent problem. It's a Band-Aid. And if it's going to be cyclical and we were going for herd immunity, the only thing that's going to stop that is to open up our schools, open up our businesses, and let's face this and roll the dice. And yes, we're going to lose roughly 0.02% of our population. We understand that. 
And that's an unfortunate thing. And yes, it could even get larger than that. But that's what happens with a pandemic. And if you want herd immunity, you ultimately have the best fighting force and defense in your own body. And for those that don't, we have to shelter, take care of them, protect them, wear masks around them. Yes, but we don't need to lock down the entire world for the percentage of people who are actually affected by this. In fact, kids are hardly affected by this at all. And when they do carry, if get it at all, they certainly don't die from it. The odds are astronomical. We need to open up our schools and we need to do this. And we don't necessarily need to vaccinate them with something that can ultimately impact their fertility and ability to have children. Let me tell you a little story. At 12 years old, excuse me, eight years old, I was discovered to have a hyperthyroid. And the reason why is I had what was known as a thyroglothic duct cyst, cyst inside my neck right here. And you can see the scar right across my throat. My kids always ask what happened. And I said, have you ever heard the story of Jack the Ripper? And of course, they all flee up the stairs and it's just a joke. But I will tell you that that cyst was causing a problem on my thyroid and it was essentially tapping on my thyroid at a very early age. If you think I'm hyper now, you should have seen me then. I was bouncing off the walls like Lucy balls. So they removed the thyroid. The point of it is, is that it didn't necessarily help. I wasn't suffering from hypertension or hyperactivity. I was suffering from something known as ADHD now, and also probably a little bit of dyslexia. Was always intelligent, but usually people with high intelligence do suffer from ADHD and also anxiety. And I happen to believe there's something else that's undiagnosed in a lot of Americans, which is functioning autism, which I think is in the high two out of three people have. We've seen this in people as we lose our temper and we continue to drive and yell and scream at each other and have irate behavior that we can't explain. And a lot of people will say it's being bipolar or some sort of mental condition. But when you look up the underlying symptoms and what the reflection is with borderline fully functioning autism, I can apply that to a lot of people and even to myself. Extremely high IQ, very irritable, and not necessarily as rational as they need to be in all situations. My point is, is that I'm not a doctor. I didn't sleep at a Holiday Inn Express and I don't have all the answers. But what I do understand is that medicating children is never a solution unless it is the last solution. At the age of 13, my parents put me on Ritalin, Prozac, and Lithium, all within different periods of time. I had chronic nosebleeds, migraine headaches, headaches. I would have borderline seizures. I would bite my tongue often in the middle of the sleep or in the middle of the day and have spasms and brain zaps. And I believe it ultimately altered me to who I am today. So yes, I am this medical experiment gone wrong. And maybe it ultimately impacted me in a positive way. I don't know. But when I was a child, it created confusion and anxiety and problems. We don't need to put foreign substances in children's bodies. We don't need to give them Dimatap at two years old to help them sleep when they're being irate or we're going on a long flight trip. We don't give kids that. You don't give them alcohol. Now, I'm also the proponent and the person who believes that when my child is teething, I've rubbed a little Yukon Jack on their gums and that was okay. I believe that still. My parents put packs of cigarettes in front of us when we were interested in smoking and said, go at it. Put alcohol in front of us and said the same thing. I'm not saying that you can't take risk with your kids, but foreign substances in their body, when you have no idea what the long-term effects are, unless it is absolutely the last course of action or the best course of action to stop something worse from happening, which is not COVID, I would recommend against it. But that is just me and that's my belief. But if we're talking about something like smallpox or we're talking about the measles 
or we're talking about typhoid or anthrax or spinal bifida or whatever else it could possibly be or getting a tetanus shot to stop a razor blade that's rusty from literally providing or giving us lockjaw on us biting our own tongue off and going into seizures i would recommend that we do those things and make sure we stay up with our vaccinations but covid is not one of them for children this frustrates me and i don't understand why we're listening to dr fauci why would we introduce a relatively untested and foreign substance into the body of a child who wouldn't get sick from the disease in the first place no real doctor would ever recommend such a thing back in july the director of the cdc was talking about how important it was to get kids back into school especially high school kids we're seeing quote we're seeing sadly for greater far greater suicides now that we are than deaths from covid with high school kids, Robert Redfield, Fauci, that was six months ago. How many more healthy killed kids killed themselves since then? As long as they didn't die of COVID, it's okay, even though it's around one in a million chance, if that, for them to get sick and die. What I don't understand is that there is a mental health crisis going along with COVID. My daughter's been a straight-A student her whole life, and she came to me shaking with three Cs and couldn't explain it to me. And I told her, if you watch a previous episode where I showed you that the teacher said COVID was the worst thing to happen to the world, period, ever, period, I can understand why she's getting a C, because her teacher's stupid and my daughter's smarter than her. Now, I respect teachers, but I don't respect teachers who lie and make up stories and also say that the Holocaust didn't happen. Yes, this teacher said that. The problem that I have is that children don't need to be vaccinated. We have to start with the highest people who are at highest risk. That is what this whole thing is about. That is why we had to shut down, because we were so worried about these people who were susceptible to death from dying. So let's get them inoculated and let's us get back out there and face this damn thing. And if you think I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth, let me tell you this. I just found out today that my mother is in hospice and she has COVID-19 and she more than likely will not live for the next 24 to 72 hours. So if you think I am a son of a bitch who is inhumane, you're wrong. I just also understand reality and keeping the old alive forever is impossible and an effort in futility. This is the same guy who said there would be no vaccines in 2020, remember, and said it was not going to happen and that you don't need to wear a mask, but then you need to wear a mask, but then you don't need to wear a mask. And then hip, hip, hooray for the World Health Organization and then did not wear a mask out in public and now says that the N95 mask should be worn by everybody and then said that gators were okay and now they're not. And now it's a regular cloth mask, but you must wash it and then eat through it and then put it back on when you're done. The guy has no idea what he's talking about. But let me tell you what I do know. And this has been reported from the India Times. Now, you're going to see people who are going to counteract this and link articles on Snopes and factcheck.org. Let me tell you how much I believe in Snopes and factcheck.org. They are absolutely pay to play. And I can tell you, theoretical physics will tell you that I can tell take an elephant's tail and tie it to a daisy and hang it off of a cliff. And theoretically, through physics, I can tell you that it would hang there and not rip out of the root and fall to its death. That's theoretical physics. But facts and eyes will tell you that there's no way that that's possible. Don't tell me that there's companies out there that specifically write papers, write theses, and actually do scientific experiments or scientific journals that contradict the norm or what is out of being popular because it happens all the time and they're paid to do so. 
I don't trust fact check. I don't trust Snopes because they are prescribed what to say and paid for by the large social media companies and the leftist newspapers. If you want to fact check anything, do what I do. Go to the AP, go to the Newswire and research yourself. Dr. Anthony Fauci is an advisor to President Donald Trump, as we all know. And something of an American folk hero for his steady, calm leadership during the pandemic crisis. At least one poll shows that Americans trust Fauci more than Trump on the coronavirus pandemic. And few scientists are portrayed on TV by Brad Pitt, which is interesting. If you didn't see that last year, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, the organization led by Dr. Fauci, funded scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and any other institutions for work on gain-of-function research on bat coronavirus. Now, what does that mean? And I'm going to explain it clearly. But first, if you tell me that Dr. Fauci is honest, and he's the honest Abe of this generation, and he cannot tell a lie, and he did chop down the cherry tree, then I have this video for you, and maybe you can explain it to me, because I have him here on TV. You've heard it here first in a bold-faced lie. Watch this. Well, as Santa gets ready to leave the North Pole, a lot of kids have been wondering if it's safe for him to travel during the pandemic. Well, have no fear, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, is easing some of those concerns. I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. I measured his level of immunity and he is good to go. He can come down the chimney. He can leave the presence. He can leave and you have nothing to worry about. Liar! Liar! I'm not a witch, I'm your wife. But after you said that, I'm not sure I'm going to be that anymore. Lies. He didn't go to the North Pole. He didn't see Santa Claus. How can you believe this guy? Okay, so that's a joke, right? Because I know that's what the right does and the left does. I understand Dr. Fauci is not an evil man. He's not trying to kill the world. He's not trying to make money off of this. People need to relax. And this conspiracy theory that he's the devil, it's just more of the same, where people don't like anyone that disagrees with them. Do I like Dr. Fauci? I don't know Dr. Fauci. Do I trust Dr. Fauci? No. And it's not because he lied about going to the North Pole. It's all of the other things he lied about. And I want to read this sentence again. And just because he was played by Brad Pitt on TV doesn't mean anything. The National Institute for Allergy and Infectious Disease, which Dr. Fauci is, he leads the organization, funded scientists at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and other institutions for work on gain-of-function research on bat coronavirus. This research was admonished by the scientific community. Donald Trump actually excommunicated this process from American policy, and so did President Obama, to be honest with you. Now, there was rumors that this was, and you'll hear in this article, that, that it was somewhere up to $3 million to $7 million. No, it wasn't. It was $600,000 over five years. It was small time. But what I do have an issue with is taking different strains of coronavirus and putting and splicing them together to create the abomination that we see right now, which is COVID-19. Now, was Dr. Fauci in the lab mixing and splicing that DNA? No, that's not what happened. But the research was funded and led by him. And that is the issue that I have where there is a conflict of interest. And can you trust what he says? 
And would this be as deadly as it is, or would this be a thing if they were not genetically altering and playing roll the bones with deadly viruses and diseases or creating deadly viruses and in diseases. In 2019, with the backing of the NIAID, the National Institute of Health committed $3.7 million over six years. It wasn't that. It was $600,000 over five years, but whatever. For research that included some of the gain-of-function work, the program followed another three-point... I'm not going to read it. It's not true. Um which ended in 2019, bringing the total to 7.4. It wasn't. This was already defunct, and this is not true. That's why I'm leaving it out, right? Newsweek reported this, and this was a gross exaggeration on the money. But I don't care about the money. What I care about is that he was involved in this and supported this, and he is playing now that he is an expert as a doctor, as a chemist, as a genealogist. He's not. Okay, he's about as scientific as Bill Nye, the science guy. Many scientists have criticized gain of function research, which involves manipulating viruses in the lab to explore their potential for infecting humans because it creates a risk of starting a pandemic from accidental release. SARS CoV 2 was uh, the virus now causing a global pandemic, is believed to have originated in bats. U.S. intelligence, uh, after originally asserting that the coronavirus had occurred naturally, conceded last month that the pandemic may have originated in a leak from the Wuhan lab. At this point, most scientists say it's possible, but not likely, that the pandemic virus was engineered or manipulated. Dr. Fauci did not respond to Newsweek's request for comment. NIH responded with a statement that said, in the most part, most hu- most emerging human viruses come from wildlife, and these represent a significant threat to public health and biosecurity in the U.S. and globally, as demonstrated by the SARS epidemic of 2002-2003 and the current COVID-19 pandemic. Scientific research indicates that there is no evidence that the suggested the virus was created in a laboratory. Well, that's not true. Besides that the laboratory was right next to the epicenter, besides that we were funding research for splicing and mixing and creating a, a virus cocktail, There is a very, very good chance because China lied about it. They said that this was released in January, but I can tell you without any equivocation, without any doubt whatsoever that this was in the United States in November because I got it. Let me tell you the one thing I do is I know my body. I know it extremely well. I know the difference between a cold. I know the difference between the flu. I know the difference between hay fever, allergies, what type of pollen's in the air, and that's because I take care of myself extremely well. I take the right vitamins, I eat right, and I never, ever want to die of my own choices, minus the fact that I do vape and I I do tend to partake in a few libations. But otherwise, I don't want to die from eating too much red meat or stuffing fried food down my throat. I also ensure that I know my body and what it can and can't do. And I got something in November that I have never had before. And I also know that I was on a plane that was on the West Coast that left with a bunch of Chinese nationals that came all the way to the East Coast. And I know what happened afterwards. I lost all my taste buds. I had a mild-grade fever. I was achy. I was sore. I was sweating. I was not coughing. I did not necessarily have a runny nose or anything else, but I had all the signs of COVID and it knocked me on my ass for about a week and a half. There was also a lot of people who died of unknown 
non-type A, type B flu in December and November when they were undiagnosed. And I think if they actually are finding reports, and I've seen reports, I'll find those and link them to you, that they have discovered that COVID was here in November and December. If that is true, then the Chinese have lied just about that. But we also know that they've lied about everything else. It's also interesting that Wuhan, the epicenter of this, they were first to die. And then, yes, they rounded people up and quarantined them and ultimately killed them if they were infecting other people. But now it is essentially poofed in the thin air during the rest of the world's crisis in March. It is the quickest turnaround, and they did not have a vaccine first. It's interesting, to say the least, that somehow it was one of the largest things that happened in China and running rampant through the country, and then it now has disappeared, starting at the epicenter and on its way out. Now, this could be speculation. It could be conspiracy theory. But if you're going to trust the Chinese, you might as well go ahead and trust the French during the American Revolution or trust the English between the 80s and the year 2000. The NIH research consisted of two parts. The first part began in 14, involved surveillance of bat coronavirus and had a budget. Okay, we're not going to do the budget. The program funded Shi Zheng Li, a virologist at the Wuhan lab and other researchers to investigate and catalog bat coronavirus in the wild. This part of the project was completed in 19. A second phase of the project beginning that year included additional surveillance work but also gain-of-function research for the purpose of understanding how bat coronaviruses could mutate to attack humans. Well, that sounds delightful. I wonder what could possibly happen. Not a fucking global pandemic. I said the F word twice. I promised the nice lady on my site I wouldn't drop an F-bomb. I didn't say, I said Fuken, which is German. And and German engineering is predominant in China because they're a socialist country who have Mercedes-Benz. So it was a nod to, no, I said the bad word. I'm sorry. It's twice. Sorry. The project was run by EcoHealth Alliance, a nonprofit research group under the direction of President Peter Dzazak, an expert on disease ecology. NIH canceled the project just this past Friday, April 24th. This is an old article. Political reported. But that was in the height of the coronavirus, mind you. Um, Dazak did not immediately respond to Newsweek request for comment. The project proposal states, we will use S-protein sequence data, infectious clone technology, in vitro and vivo infection experiments, and analysis of the receptor binding to the test that hypothesizes that percentage divergence threshold in S-protein sequences predicts spillover potential. This is why people don't trust doctors. Why can't you just say it, it's a quadraponic blaupunk? Why can't you just say it's swamp gas bouncing off Uranus? I mean, I mean come on. Why do you got to be so, jeez, in layman's terms, it's spillover potential, which basically means it escaping or becoming bigger than what they intended to, a Pandora's box, if you will, of viruses. It refers to the ability of a virus to jump from animals to humans, which requires that uh, the virus be able to attach to receptors in cells of humans. SARS-CoV-2, for instance, is adept at binding to ACE2 receptor in human lungs and other organs, according to Richard Albright, an infectious disease expert at Rutgers. Description, uh, description refers to experiments that would enhance the ability of bat coronavirus to infect human cells and laboratory animals using techniques of genetic engineering. In the wake of the pandemic, that is a noteworthy detail. Albright done doing, uh, along with many other scientists, has been a vocal opponent of gain-function research because of the risk it presents creating a pandemic through accidental release from a lab. 
Dr. Fauci is renowned for his work on the HIV and AIDS crisis in the 90s. Born in Brooklyn, he graduated first in the class of Cornell University as head of the NIAID. Since 1984, he has served as advisor to U.S. President Ronald Reagan. A decade ago, during a controversy over gain-of-function research on bird flu viruses, Dr. Fauci played an important role in promoting the work. He argued that the research was worth the risk it entailed because it enables scientists to make preparations such as investigating possible antiviral medications that could be used if and when a pandemic occurred. The work in question was a type of -of gain-of-function research that involved taking wild viruses and passing them through live animals until they mutate into a form that could pose a pandemic threat. Scientists used it to take a virus that was poorly transmitted among humans and make it into one that was highly transmissible, a hallmark of a pandemic virus. This work was done by infecting a series of ferrets, allowing the virus to mutate until a ferret that held Um, had been deliberately infected and contracted disease. The work entailed risks that worried even seasoned researchers. More than 200 scientists called for the work to be halted, just as many as who believe that that, um, uh, global warming isn't real. They said that it increased the likelihood that a pandemic would occur through a laboratory accident. Dr. Fauci defended the work. Determining the molecular Achilles heel of this virus can allow scientists to identify novel antiviral drug targets that could be used to prevent infection. Decades of experiences tells us that disseminating information gained through biomedical research to legitimate scientists and health officials provides a critical foundation for generating appropriate countermeasures and ultimately protecting the public health. And amongst all that, they still continued to do what? Which was to ban this type of research. Here's what it comes down to. And this was an extremely long article, but something that I thought was important for you to hear is that Dr. Fauci believes in rolling the genetic dice in a young Frankenstein style issue to create this giant lump of walking death. And the ultimate result is putting a brain inside of a dead massive body and reanimating it to life, you're going to probably have circumstances that you're not really excited about. Like pitches are pitchforks and, 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 and torches and little girls being actually abducted and dropped into the well and a monster that essentially goes insane when it sees fire. Well, in this case, we don't have Frankenstein's monster. We have Fauci's born pandemic by mixing different viruses together to create a super virus that would transfer to humans just to kind of see what it would do. It's just like a Jerry Springer episode. All right, I've got a knife. Let's uh, let's see what we can do. We have the Ku Klux Klan here today. Everybody give them a round of applause. Yeah, they hate Mexicans and blacks. All right, well, we've got some Mexicans and we've got some blacks. Let's bring them in today. And that is a joke, actually, by Pablo Francisco, who's much better at it than I am. But that's what he's doing. He's putting volatile situations together to get a result that ultimately could do exactly what happened, which is impact the entire global community. Is it his fault? I can't tell you that. Did he have a first hand in this? I can't tell you that all also. But what I can tell you is that this is dangerous and playing grab ass with death death viruses that could wipe out the entire earth at some point, similar to the bubonic plague, which did wipe out most of Europe. It's not too far of a stretch to say that maybe, just maybe, you could screw around with nature so much and play the God complex and ultimately create the wipeout of the entire planet. 
maybe we shouldn't do things like this. And that is why Obama and Trump agreed on this one piece of legislation when they agreed on hardly anything else. Folks, that's it for me tonight. I appreciate you being patient. I had something to go over with Tulsi Gabbard, but Dr. Fauci, Fakey, Fakey, Fauci, Fucky, Dr. Fucky was too fantastic to talk about tonight. I hope you appreciate it, and I'll talk about Tulsi Gabbard tomorrow. What I will talk about right now is something that I always talk about, which is the Veteran Crisis Hotline, 1-800-273-8255-PRESS-1. If you know a veteran who is struggling, you see the signs, please reach out and talk to them. Some veterans will not talk to anyone except for other veterans, and I am here. My listeners are here. We have plenty of veterans here. We can find them the right help. And if you are not a veteran, it's okay. You can call the Veteran Crisis Hotline, even if you're a civilian, and they will not turn you away. And if all that doesn't do it, you can go to www.dontunfriendme.com. Click on the VCL link, and you will be connected to a VCL operator live through Skype, free. And I'm one of the only sites that I know that does that right now, so that is pretty cool. So go take a look. If you need some help, please. 22 veterans a day committing suicide is way too many. As always, like, share, and subscribe. If you liked what you heard tonight, you enjoyed it, leave a comment in the section. Say hello. Ask a question. I'll do my best to get back to you. And it's getting more and more difficult to do so, but I will always try to get back to you. Folks, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you. Good night, and I will see you tomorrow. Locate file. You know, I I don't, oh, whatever. <laughs>